The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you run simple. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. And this is a very exciting day for us here because we are debuting Season 4 of our series called Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio. That's a big deal here in SAP Game Changers Radio land. So we're very excited to launch a brand new season, 13 weeks, skipping Memorial Day, May 25th, 13 consecutive weeks of live talk about finances, everything your company needs to know to do it better, faster, and simpler. So let me get started. Today's buzz is the CFO. I know you have one, so get them over here and have them listen to the show. The concept of the strategic CFO who's responsible for more than just crunching numbers and pushing out those reports. It's not a new concept. But now there's a new technology-driven dynamic in finance. It's a nexus. You know what that is. It's all coming together. Powerful forces driven by in-memory, cloud, mobile, and social. It's not only changing how today's CFOs operate, it also gives them the potential to reimagine the processes that underpin the finance function, as well as their role as, you know, the traditional role. They're the information steward. They're the advisor to the business. Their role is expanding more dynamically and more strategically. So how is this nexus of forces impacting how CFOs are are evolving the financial function and how they're evolving their role within the business? It's getting bigger. It's getting more important, more active. They have to be on their game. And we have a panel of three experts who are going to help CFOs figure it out. First up, I'm happy to welcome back our returning guest who's been on many of our shows. It's John Steele, a principal with Deloitte Consulting LLP, and he heads the U.S. SAP Finance Transformation Practice at Deloitte. And here's the quote from John Steele. Listen up. Finance is either the center of the universe or the bottom of the hill. Either way, all roads lead there. It sounds like an old quote about all roads lead to Rome. John Steele, welcome back. How are you today? I'm doing well, Bonnie. How are you? I'm okay. Thank you for joining me. Talk to me. Interesting quote. What does it all mean? Right. So, you know, as as I say in the quote, and maybe I did take some uh, liberal uh, borrowing from all roads lead to Rome, but basically there are nothing that happens inside of a company that does not have an effect inside of finance. So all, all the different, the myriad activities that are happening in companies today, they eventually have an effect either on your P&L or your balance sheet, or you should be forecasting and planning against them. So it, it's really just to put everyone on notice that finance needs to be proactive and helping to become more of a catalyst for the organization, because all roads lead there, and so you may as well recognize it. Well, John, 
Is anybody needing a wake-up call? Are any of these CFOs asleep somewhere at the wheel or behind the green eye shade or sitting in the back office somewhere, still crunching those numbers and pushing out those spreadsheets? Is there anybody who isn't aware that they have to do something? They have to reimagine their role and expand it. Is this a new breaking news or is this something they know about? Well, I think most of our CFOs, our, our clients, have a have an awareness that they they need to do this, and that it's always been the role of the finance organization to be a, a catalyst and and drive uh, sales, marketing, supply chain, the other organizations, you know, towards uh, greater business results. Mm-hmm. But the, the major shift today is the fact that we've got a really big change in technology. So where in, information used to be difficult to get and even more difficult to analyze. The, the developments over the last three or four years with uh, in-memory technology, uh, visualization, integrating forecasting and planning with the ERP system, they're giving CFOs and their teams a whole new set of tools that they didn't have before. They really let them push finance further back into the organization, closer to where the actual process or the actual transaction is happening. And that really is something that, that CFOs just didn't have before. So to me, I think it's a wake-up call, not, not based on them understanding the role better, but really understanding mm-hmm. the technology better. Thank you very much. We're going to talk a lot more about that during the show. Thank you, John. And again, welcome back, and thanks for joining me. Let's talk to our second panelist today. He's also a returning guest. Actually, all three are. It's David Dixon. He's a partner principal at Truqua Enterprises. That's T-R-U-Q-U-A. And David sent me a wonderful quote from Peter Sondergaard, those of you saying, that sounds familiar. He's a Gartner Senior VP, and he was speaking, the quote, it comes from a Gartner Symposium IT Expo in October 2011, which coincidentally is when I started SAP Game Changers Radio. So that's a, a memorable month. And here's the quote. Information is the oil of the 21st century, and analytics is the combustion engine. Very profound. David Dixon, how are you today? Great. How are you? Fine. Thanks for coming and joining us again. Very interesting quote. Why don't you talk to me about how this relates to our topic, the CFO. Where does he or she fit into the oil and the engine? Yeah, to build upon what John was just talking about, for uh, many years now, we've known that uh, the office of the CFO has been sitting on uh, a lot of information that the rest of the enterprise wants and needs. And with the explosion of uh, new capabilities around analytics, uh, there is a, a race and, a, and a, you could argue, in our competition for this information and for applying it to the enterprise and with all the volatility and enterprise risk in the marketplace with uh, globalization and change and being adaptive, uh, there is uh, increasing demand for leadership uh, to, you know, to apply these insights and, and to, to bring the organization together and to uh, uh, you know, stitch together all the different functions. And that leadership really belongs to the office of the CFO. And, and to relate mm-hmm. back to John's quote, you know, here's an opportunity whether you know, they're going to uh, knock it out of the park or go down in flames uh, around this because there's increasing pressure for leadership and, and uh, for the office of the CFO to step up and, and to drive, uh, uh, you know, the analytics space. And right now there's competitors like, you know, we, the chief information officer or the chief analytics officer or uh, chief data officer or chief digital officer. We keep coining new C uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, terms just to, because we recognize that there is uh, a leadership, you know, uh, uh, vacuum or play here that, that, that's going on, similar to you know, that what we've seen around oil and, and, and uh, the combustion engine. 
Very interesting, David. I'm, I'm wondering how this affects, I'll call it legacy CFOs, people who've been in the role for a long time, more than 10 years. That's what I'm referencing as legacy. Are they happy about this? Are they just want to come to work and do their thing? And also, it sounds from your description that the table in the C-suite is getting bigger and bigger and more and more crowded. Just a couple of comments from you on either one of those points. Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't want to take uh, from Henner and his quote, but yes, there's uh, <laughs> there's an increasing need for, for talent to uh, uh, understand what this all means. You can't, uh, uh, and and that's why it is getting crowded. And they're really, and and as we know, it, it, leadership is one of these things where it really is better not just uh, uh, you know for, for unifying the organization and an enterprise in global scale. Uh, uh, less is more. Um, mm-hmm. And but but. Because there is uh, so much new associated with this, uh, there's, a, there's a steep learning curve. And, and so I think that's why we're seeing uh, what we're seeing. But uh, it's not, in my, you know, my opinion, it's not an ideal situation. Now, really, uh, again, it belongs to the CFO, and CFOs, yeah, can't be comfortable with uh, yesterday. They've, they're, they're not, you know, uh, looking backwards anymore. They need to be looking forwards. Thank you. All good points. I appreciate your answering my question. And you mentioned Henner, and here he is. He's Henner Schlieb's head of SAP's finance audience marketing. And Henner has sent me a quote from Aristotle. Now, I can see Aristotle turning over in whatever crypt he's in, Henner scratching his head and saying, what? 2015? Whoever knew the world would go on that long? How did I end up on a radio show on the Internet? What's the Internet? What's radio? But here's the quote. He who has never learned to obey cannot be a good commander. Those are great words. Henner, welcome back. How are you today? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm fine. I, I love having a panel of experts like the three of you, John, David, and you, Henner, who really know how to talk and give the, give good, savvy information and insight. So I'm, I'm delighted to have you three be our debut panel on Season 4. So, Henner, how did you pick a quote from Aristotle? Come on. How many hundreds of years ago was this? Talk to me. <laughs> I'm a meat lover. That's why I love Greek cuisine, <laughs> and I thought that uh, old Greece or ancient Greece, as a as a quote, was would be nice. Um, no, it's it's really like uh, John Steele and uh, also Dave Nixon have already mentioned, right? The analytics portion these days is is of such a high importance to any uh, leader, and particularly the finance leader. But I think, um, hey, what is analytics? Analytics is really analyzing data and taking action out of it, right? And this is exactly what you do if you if you obey things and want to lead as a commander, like Aristotle uh, mentioned here, right? You have to understand the path, have to understand um, a, a projection into the future in order to take the right course of action and and drive uh, things and drive ideas, and specifically the the chief financial officer who I think is uh, the true leader of any kind of organization, um, has to uh, follow this concept. This is why I picked this uh, nice quote. Very interesting. Uh, I was talking with David a moment ago about legacy, what I call legacy CFOs have been around for a while. Um, Are they used to obeying anybody, Henner? Are they really, other than maybe the board of directors, are they used to being the king of all they survey or the commander of all they survey? And would they get this quote, honestly? Um, I think we are on the verge of getting this more modern CFO types of people, right? I personally think the era of uh, where you have to be a CPA and a good number cruncher in order to become a CFO is 
is more or less over, right? I think uh, CFOs are spending 20, 25% of their time on pure financials, and the rest is really driving the business, driving the strategy and, and make, taking care of the business. And this is uh, why we are seeing so many new and upcoming modern CFOs arriving these days, and they really get this uh, quote. I'm 100% sure. I'm glad you're 100% sure. I'll take those odds any day. Thank you very much. And we're going to circle back to John Steele. John, you know what's coming next. I'm going to ask you because this series, Financial Excellence with Game Changers, is part of our flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers. So I'm going to ask you what's in your cup today or what are you planning on drinking after the show? And where are you calling in from today, John Steele? Um, I'm calling in from Atlanta, Georgia. What's doing on the weather scene down there? I know we're just, as my mother and late mother-in-law used to say, we're pluing here in New York. A lot of rain. What's it doing down there in Atlanta? It is looking pretty good outside. We've got uh, mixed clouds, uh, although it looks a little bit threatening. It has definitely warmed up. So in in my cup, I have a very uh, large glass of refreshing Fanta Zero Orange. Welcome to spring. Are you our Fanta guy? Are you the one who always talks about Fanta? Because I know, I think there's only out of the thousand or so people who passed through SAP Game Changers Radio, all 15 of our series, I can only remember hearing Fanta once. Was that you, John? It was. And I think Fanta is an underappreciated asset in the Coca-Cola portfolio. <laughs> you know, that's all I would say. We, we get a pretty wide selection since we're in Atlanta. So uh, I'm able to enjoy the grape and the orange and just some of those more uh, refreshing flavors. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. I did remember that. David Dixon, what are you drinking today or what are you going to drink after the show? Where are you calling from, David? So I'm calling from Chicago. Uh, last time I called in, I called in from Poland, and they got me hooked on fruit tea. So I'm having a passion tango tea here Ooh. to warm up because the, the weather got a little bit cold here in Chicago again around in the 50s uh, with a bit overcast. So uh, just warming up with some uh, hot fruit tea. Sounds delicious, and it sounds healthy, too. Thank you very much. Hennerschleves, where are you calling from today? What's the weather, and what's in your cup? I'm home in Austin, Texas. Uh, we have sunshine here, and the summer finally is coming in. So uh, what am I having in my cup? It's a flavored soda called La Crux. Pombaya, because I already had, I think, four huge espressos uh, <laughs> preparing for Sapphire, our big event in two weeks from now, which prevents me from sleeping. So, But I cannot drink any more coffee. This is why I'm drink, drinking uh, flavored sodas. You had Sugar four free, of espressos? Of, of course, I have to be healthy. Four espressos today already? Seriously? Yeah, sure. Wow. <laughs> well, you know something? Running. Wow, you you must be running on. Hopefully not on empty. That's a lot of a lot of power there. I was going to tell you, Henner. Uh, I looked up Aristotle just to be sure I had my dates right. He was born in 384 BC and died in 322. So he lived a relatively long life and and certainly knew what he was talking about. I wonder what he would be drinking if he was here on the show today. As Henner, David, and John Steele know, they don't let Bonnie have caffeine on radio show days. No surprise. <laughs> Some things never change. So here we are. It's just wonderful to be debuting season four of financial excellence with game changers that we're going to have great information pack shows for you for the next 13 14 weeks i have to do a shout out to chris grundy at sap who masterminds this series and for his dedication and bringing together great panels like this our topic today in case you haven't guessed yet 
is the strategic CFO, Reimagining Finance. To, speaking today with John Steele at Deloitte, David Dixon at Truqua, and Henner Schliebs at SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. We're going to go out for just about 90 seconds now and regroup and get ready for a 30-minute nonstop roundtable. That's words of warning to my panelists. Put your seatbelts on. We have a long ride, and I know it's going to be a great one. So I'm going to say to all of our listeners, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. And Brad, our engineer, glad to be working with you. Here we go, Brad. Out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Isn't it time for you to transform your finance organization? SAP is leading the way with groundbreaking technology to help finance professionals transform finance. SAP Simple Finance, powered by SAP, is a part of SAP for HANA, the next generation business suite. SAP Simple Finance draws upon innovative in-memory, mobile, and cloud technologies to deliver one common secure view of all your information across finance. This gives you instant insight to drive enterprise-wide strategic value. Learn more at www.sap.com forward slash simple dash finance. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Comments? Questions? Send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the show at hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Here we are. This is the launch of Season 4. Glad to be back with Financial Excellence. And that's what everybody's company aspires to one way or another, whether they know it or not. We're going to kick off the roundtable with John Steele from Deloitte. Here's an interesting comment John sent me in his notes, and it ties up what we are talking about in our opening today. He says, CFOs need to understand that the latest change in technology is bigger than anything they have ever seen in their careers. That's a monumental phrase. Is it a threat? Is it a promise? Or is it just plain reality? John Steele, talk to me. Yeah, Bonnie, you know, I have to say it's really, it's just plain reality at this point. Uh, So there's been a lot of developments in information technology over the last 20 or 30 years. Most of us that are in the workforce today came into the workforce sometime in either the 70s, 80s, or 90s. And in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, it was really evolutionary where there was a bigger change in terms of the, the software itself and maybe moving, say, from a mainframe environment into more of a client-server environment. But all of that technology relied on uh, intense amounts of disk storage. Mm-hmm. So the, the recent shift where you are moving to these in-memory platforms, and particularly uh, SAP HANA, you're, you're removing many of the limitations that you had in the past in terms of dealing with that information. So you're removing aggregations. You're removing limits on how, many, how much information you can really sort through in an effective amount of time. So when, when this started coming to fruition two or three years ago, many people, and even in the finance community, were saying, okay, John, it goes faster. So what? Mm-hmm. What we're now seeing is as there are more and more adopters of this technology, is not only does it go faster, but it's remarkably different. 
and it changes your processes and the way that you can look at your processes. It allows you to get information much more quickly and much more effectively. So one of my colleagues who, who is a, a partner in the finance transformation practice on our strategy side said, effectively, like, now, now you can get everything you always wanted all at once. So what that means is it's a crucial time for CFOs to understand exactly what they can do with their finance team to get additional information to the right hands of the right people in the right place. So it requires finance to be more analytical and really push more for insight as opposed to the typical role or one of the typical roles of finance in the past has really been just to aggregate information, if that makes sense. And finance Mm -hmm. has spent a lot of time in the month-end process pulling information together. Those barriers are being removed. So finance is less of a aggregator, then then there's a certain role that finance can take on in terms of being a catalyst for the business, if that makes sense. Yeah, thank you, John. And that goes to our topic today, the strategic CFO reimagining finance and, and bringing in the idea of reimagining goes, I think, hand in hand with the idea that technology is speeding forward. It's giving them new opportunities, as you say, not just a number cruncher or an aggregator. Uh, quick question for you before I bring David Dixon into this conversation. My question is, does this require CFOs to take time off from work and actually go sit in a classroom somewhere? Or does this require a parade of vendors coming in and saying, hey, if you buy this, it'll do this for you and that for you and it'll dry your dry your dishes and, and tie your shoes for you and, uh, you know, put fuel in your car before you get up in the morning. Is it something where they just look at the brochure or do they have to actually sit down and take training or do they rely on their staff to bring in that new tech education? Just a quick thought on that. Uh, I guess I'd like to be a little provocative and say that the, the CFO really should think about learning more about the technology. Now, I think if the CFO can rely on the CFO's team, to mm-hmm. get a little bit deeper and educate the CFO, I think that's uh, beneficial. But what I'm seeing is that without understanding the technology at some level, meaning I wouldn't expect them to configure the technology, but I would expect them to understand, you know, the basics of how the new technology works. Without having that understanding, it's hard to be a, a true visionary. And so we've been mm-hmm. working um, – we've been working to put more of this into the curriculum that we, you know, when we sponsor uh, CED classes or the CFO Academy, we've been working to get these topics in there at a level that's appropriate for an executive audience. I really think that's what they should be looking for. Now, in terms of uh, having vendors in, uh, I think obviously that that's something that CFO's teams can, can work on. But, and I do think it's important to understand that there are material differences between the offerings that the different vendors have. So being able to peel back the covers and say, you know, there's differences on how in-memory platforms work one to another, and there are differences on how some of the information, you know, is uh, presented in some of the different packages. And I think understanding that is critically important as well because not all are created equal. Thank you very much, John, and I like it when you're provocative. That was a a good note. David Dixon, we put a lot of information on the table here. Thoughts on who should be learning, who should be teaching whom, and what about this technology that's bigger than anything they've seen in their careers, implying they have long careers? What do you think, David? Well, ironically, I don't think the CFO has time uh, to really sit in Mm -hmm. a classroom anywhere. Uh, They've uh, got to learn everything, right? I mean, you know, what's important to the CFO, it's everything. And they have to uh, really be engaging 
with the rest of their enterprise, because uh, otherwise they're going to come to them. I mean, what the technology that John just talked about is really putting information right into their backyard, and everyone's going to go prospecting right in their backyard. And so the CFO has got to understand that, that this technology shift is, you know, meaning that we've been, you know, for decades taking data out of finance and populating it for all the other functions. Now they're coming. And not only are they coming, but the CFO has an opportunity to use this technology in, and apply it to, you know, the, uh, the, in the, the office of the CMO and the marketing and take external information and bring it in with internal. And so there is all kinds of people politics associated with this. And really, uh, like we talked about leadership earlier, uh, having the credibility to talk with the, uh, uh, you know, the CIO, uh, with the technologist, the credibility to talk with the marketing organization, with, with the business, with the supply chain, and really be uh, uh, the right-hand uh, uh, person for uh, the CEO. Um, and that takes a lot of learning on all fronts, um, not mm-hmm. just uh, you know, the technology aspects of it. Thank you. Henner, join us. Thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I also don't believe we are going to see a Rosetta Stone DVD set where the CFO of the future <laughs> is uh, educating herself in the car. But I think uh, we, we see, um, as we discussed in our last show, that also universities, et cetera, are picking up the analytics topic in their uh, accounting uh, faculty, as an example, right? You remember last time the UCLA professor we had she also said, hey, we've got to get rid of this bean counting piece. We have to make them more aware of analytics and uh, business in the business driver's seat. And this is exactly what uh, needs to happen in the market, the uh, education, right? The, the, the next step in the workforce, hiring those uh, uh, geek with kids in finance, uh, it, it's pretty essential to the overall business because they bring the analytical capabilities into the organization. And I think a strong future strategic CFO is listening to uh, his or her um, people in the department. And uh, if they understand the concept of real-time finance, uh, it is really something they are about to drive. Thank you. John Steele, what do you think about what your colleagues added to your opening statement here in the roundtable? Any uh, tie-up thoughts here so we can move on some something else? Well, I think we've brought up uh, some good points here, uh, Henry and David, both in particular, around really making or continuing, you know, it's the whole concept of relevancy for finance. So maintaining, I thought it was a good point, David, around it's all in the, in the backyard. And if you don't mow your own backyard, is someone else going to come and start mowing it for you? So I think that it's critically important for finance to, to grasp this so they remain relevant and become more analytical. Okay. David or Henner, anything you want to add before I move to some of David's talking points? Anything else, gentlemen? We good? Okay. Good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. I like it when we're good. David Dixon. Interesting, I mentioned about this nexus of new powerful forces. Let's get into that a little more. You say in your notes, whether it's the cloud, in-memory, mobile, or social technology, there is a sweeping simplification movement that is liberating information in an unprecedented way. Are you sure Aristotle didn't say that, by the way? That's really, really deep. You say not only can the CFO get to his or her, I have to say her because Henry keeps referring to CFOs as, as women, so we got to be equal here. Not only can the CFO get to his or her information more easily than ever before, but so can others. And then David adds, that is intrinsically a double-edged sword, talking about security, security, 
internal politics, woohoo, and audit. This is a mouthful. David Dixon, why don't you uh, extrapolate and explain this for us, please? No, sure. So, so one of the things that that's really different about the technology today than than ever it was before is we're we're seeing where people just are leaving the data where it is and just accessing it where it is without having to move or transform it. And and when you once you do that, once you reformat and move the data around, other hands touch it. It just loses its integrity. And uh, uh, in many cases, some people don't even know what happened. And people are building, uh, and organizations are building Rube Goldberg machines. You know these complicated uh, infra- infrastructure that all can be simplified now, and it's it's all there in one place, and that may not necessarily be a good thing. Uh, do you really you know want everyone uh, uh, internal external auditors everybody looking at the same data just you know at, at your fingertip real time whether it's on their mobile device or social technology all that transparency is also a risk. Uh, there has to be some level of governance and controls and some level of of go- yeah, governance and security to make sure pe- the right people are getting the right information and not the wrong one, especially in this world where everyone's getting hacked and information is you know easy, uh, uh, more and more being pulled out, and that's a big thing that people are worried about. Uh, uh, and so that's 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 the key topic here is that hey, you know this is a great power, uh, uh, but it's a double-edged sword. It's a great you know ability to be able to analyze and get to the information that, uh, it, it, like you've never done before, but so. So can others, as as as, as uh, Inez pointed out. If it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. I have a question for you, David. You think you're talking about the risks of security audit and internal politics. What would you say tops that list? Is there a priority order and where where the risks are really more potent or more salient or more dangerous, if you will, of those three you mentioned or any more? Well, I mean, I think what's what's top of mind for uh, you know most of the industry is is security, right? Uh, whether mm-hmm. that's uh, you know related to cloud infrastructure or uh, uh, you know accessibility information or what you know the, it's that's what's been hitting uh, um, the headlines right now. And I, I I do think there is a lot more uh, external threats uh, uh, that are trying to you know pry into the uh, organization. So at least I'll say that's probably the top of mind on on a lot of executives' um, you know agenda. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Henner Schlieb's thoughts. What are your your perspective on this ease of information access in place? Too many hands, too many cooks spoiling the broth in the kitchen. What do you think? I think I think the the, the risk is high, right? If you move data from A to B and move them from your transactional systems into data warehouses, and there you create extracts again to they create data marts where you can report on and slice and dice, etc. I think the risk really is that is there. And we need to make sure that we bring the people to data, right, that we go away from the area uh, bringing data to the people but have the self-service uh, arrangement, right? We all know this from our personal lives. We, 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 can do, we can manage our whole life from our iPhone, right, starting with whatever, calling an Uber, instantly seeing when is my Uber here, you pay for it, there's no invoice, there's no nothing in paper, it's all electronically we need, we need to make this reality also as part of the business. And uh, moving data from A to B is not the right thing to do. Okay. John Steele, thoughts? I think that these are really good points around understanding the whole topography of what's out there in terms of information. And, you know, the, the rise of social and the ability to combine uh Social media information with financial information has never been higher. So, the, so while finance continues to push as the catalyst, I think you do have to look at the 
information security and the control points. I think that's uh, that's a very valid point. And again, that stretches the role of finance into an advisor role, and that's why understanding of the technology is so important. Thank you, David Dixon. Anything you want to add to this one? No, I think I think we covered it. It's uh, it's it is. I mean, it is interesting about uh, moving data around as well, um, and uh, and. <laughs> You know, uh, spreadsheets, right? It's, 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 uh, uh, you know, and, and one of the more celebrated hacking stories is just, uh, access to spreadsheets, right? And, uh, if you can just directly connect your spreadsheet or, uh, uh go right at the data, um, then yeah, that may have not have happened. So it is an interesting point about data movement and actually increasing security. It certainly compromises data integrity and, uh, um, and it certainly, yeah, I mean, we, you know, starting Oxley over a decade now, right, is, is uh, you know, it, it, it helped against fraud, but it didn't really, we still have a lot of problems around just, uh, you know, financial integrity because of all the, the, the moving of data and reformatting it and shuffling it around. And, and so that's, a, that's an interesting point that Hunter made regarding security. But, but I, I still think that uh, as this information becomes easier and easier to understand and read and look at, you, you, uh, you really need to uh, think about um, how to protect it. Henner, any comments back to David? Yeah, it's, it, it's not a necessarily only a, a compliance-related issue, right? It's getting away from these discussion points around the data. So you, you're having an executive meeting and you're discussing a revenue number or so, and, and the first question is, where is this revenue number coming from, right? If you move data, you will always have this kind of uh, discussion Instead of saying, hey, the revenue number is 2% down, what can we do in order to uh, increase it, as an example, right? The, the first 50% of the discussion is always, where's this data coming from? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's a business issue, decision, not only a, a compliance-related decision, it's a business decision to get away from moving data from A to B to C and consolidating it and pre-aggregating it somewhere and blah, 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 right? Really talking about real-time finance means there's one set of data and this is what we're talking about. Regardless, if we're simulating, if we're talking about actual data, if we're simulating, if we're planning, if we're budgeting, whatever, it's this one set of data which is the basis for for all the discussions that we have and decisions to be made. Is that what we call a single truth or a single point of truth, Henner? Absolutely, absolutely. It sounds very elusive. I hear somebody wanting to say anything. Is it John or David? John? Yeah, Bonnie, I was going to add to that, and that's something Please. that we've been talking about in the finance community for 20 years, you know, one, you know, single version of the truth, and, and it's, you know, the one-day close. Like they, there are things that have been talked about, but it hasn't necessarily become reality. Now the technology is actually there for that to become an everyday reality for most finance organizations. And then understanding the impact and how, what that will do to the organization itself as well as the key stakeholders, is something that every finance organization should be thinking about. Thank you very much. And I'm going to move to a slightly different direction here. Henner, you're up. I'm looking at your notes. Here's something interesting I don't think we talked about yet, and even if we did, humor me and expand it. You say the responsibility of the modern CFO does not end at the four walls of the company. They have to create the perfect enterprise. You put that in quotes, thank goodness. Extending real-time processes to the entire ecosystem. That's the suppliers, the banks, other business partners, workforce, customers. My question to the panel will be when we get to the predictions round in about 10 minutes, my question will be, will the CFO ever 
sleep at night without worrying about all this. But don't answer that now because I think that's going to be a futuristic question. Will technology help the CFO sleep at least for five good hours a night? Henner, talk to me about this beyond the four walls of the company. What does this all mean? Uh, yeah, this is, as, as mentioned, right, the, the business does not stop at the four walls of the company. It's, it's totally fine and okay and needed to optimize your purely internal finance processes, right? But in order to be successful in the market, you rely on a whole ecosystem of business partners in the market, be it uh, to the front of the value chain uh, in regards to your uh, suppliers or in the other side in, in regards to your customers or to the contributors to your success, like uh, contingent workforce, like uh, um, commodities, etc., right? You have to stay in real time connected to your whole ecosystem, and this is what it's all about, right? If, if you follow a recent uh, press announcement, it, it's uh, what we call the business network, and this is what has to be integrated into your um, own internal systems. So think about outsourcing uh, accounts payable-related processes into the business network. So when you're talking about an invoice, it's the one invoice that you're talking about, regardless if you see it from your own perspective or from the supplier's perspective. So if this is outsourced into a business network, uh, there's a lot of latency taken out of the whole system, and everybody can really act in real time. And that's what I mean with the perfect enterprise, right? You have to connect your internal systems to the outside world in real time. John Steele, talk to me. Thoughts? Yeah, I I would strongly agree with what Henner is saying, and and I won't try to spoil the prediction round, but I think the only way that CFOs will actually be able to sleep is if they start taking stock of, of these trends and reacting to them. So, again, you know, finance organizations spend a lot of their heavy lifting time taking information and aggregating it and pulling it somewhere else. And I've seen that definitely with our client base over time that, you know, the contingent workforce is a great example or, or consulting where they're running large projects and they're taking timesheets and manually entering them, checking them against their capital expenditure requests, and then finally going over to accounts payable. And it's a, it's a very cumbersome and tiresome process. And so there's less time spent on analysis than, than could be. By taking into account those external players and putting the right pieces of this in the cloud, you can completely automate that process end to end, which uh, which we're doing with several of our clients uh, at the moment. So I think it's a it's a strong trend, and and the the finance organizations that recognize that trend and can understand how it fits into their their strategic direction and then create an actionable roadmap, those finance organizations will be the ones that can add the most value to the business. Thank you. David Dixon? Yeah, the, the, the key, I think, theme here is that the CFO has to start looking at the outside world and what's going on outside the four walls of the company uh, and, you know, not, not just be inward-facing because traditionally accounting is a very inward-focused uh, uh, exercise, and, uh, and it's because of volatility. We have all these disasters and, and different changes in the marketplace, and we're finding more and more companies respected, big companies becoming roadkill or having valuations hit so hard they never recover. And, uh, and that's all bad news, and it's just a downward uh, slope. And, and we live in a viral world where uh, just, you, know, you have amazing success or, or uh, uh, you're out of business. And uh, all of that stuff is it, how does a CFO manage all of that if, if, they're, mm-hmm. if they're looking 
they're not looking at the outside world and what it can do and how it's going to impact them. They have to increasingly have a lot more risk management uh, frameworks and controls in place and then translate that to internal performance and financial performance. And that's not just uh, taking, you know, score, you know, like a, a, a um, you know, tracking numbers and, and, and keeping count. That's, that's about, you know, being the strategic CFO and, and uh, looking forward and outward than, than uh, inward. Thank you very much. Henner, anything you want to add to this? Yeah, uh, thanks for supporting here. And uh, it, it's really great feedback. And uh, we, we see, if we talk about the strategic CFO, also we want to have them impact the business decisions, right? And if you do not take uh, whatever customer sentiment, as an example, into consideration, how do you ever want to uh, be sure that your next product that you release to the market will hit the market big time, right? Often, mm-hmm. often there's a huge capital investment uh, needed uh, if you want to go into a strategic direction, into a new strategic direction, as an example, with a new product area that your company doesn't uh, cover so far, right? You need this outside view um, also as a finance person in order to anticipate your in- return on uh, capital invested into a new area. And this is also why I personally think this was one of my statements that the CFO is the true leader of an organization. Although Thank there's you. always a CEO available or whatever, but uh, the CFO uh-huh. is the one behind the scenes uh, pulling the strings. Well, maybe they shouldn't sleep at night then if their role is that big. I want to, I'm looking back at, thank you, Henry, at John Steele's notes. We have a little bit of time to cover a couple more topics before we move into the, the predictions round, the crystal ball round. And just, oh, about oh, eight, nine minutes, we'll do that. Question, John Steele, you say a technology roadmap is critically important. Now, I asked you if the CFO has time to go back to school, if they have to study, if they can just have their team do it. So I'm assuming that education and coming up to speed on new technology would be part of that roadmap. But what kind of a roadmap do you envision? Is this a, a plan, a five-year plan, a six-month plan for onboarding the technology, for redoing the systems? What do you mean by this, John? Well, what we're finding, Bonnie, is that each client situation is obviously unique. So the, the stage that any finance organization may be at in terms of their technology is, is different. So what we typically are talking about is having a good short-term plan where you know in detail what you want to accomplish over the next 12 to 24 months with strategy laid out beyond that to, say, the five-year time horizon. Most of our clients are – the conversations that we're having right now are, gee, John, you know, I get it. This technology is great. Now, how do I get from point A to point B, and what do I need Mm -hmm. to do to prepare because it's not, you know, what we find is that the systems part of any roadmap is often the, the easiest part. The, the more difficult part would be going back and answering some of the strategic organizational questions that Henner and David were just talking about in terms of how far do we want to penetrate outside the four walls of the company? When can we do that? What's going to add the most value? And then placing that against a roadmap so that you can understand which capabilities you can achieve for your organization at the the different milestones on that roadmap. And what we found by putting together many of these over the last uh, couple of years is that every organization can start, uh, you know, every finance organization can start achieving value usually with a few simple steps. And those simple steps uh, are best when it's in the context of a broader overall strategic goal for for the CFO and, and their team. John, what would be the first two of those steps? Can you offer something for us, anything specific? 
Well, sure. I mean, one thing you have to know is where are you today? So what, what is the, you know, what does it look like? What are, what are your systems and, and your processes looking like today? And then what are the in-flight projects? And then usually by looking at that, we can start honing in on what are the different areas that would start to add value in that roadmap. So we, we talked a little bit, Enter was mentioning you know, about consumer sentiment or customer sentiment for a new product. Usually CFOs are looking for two, there are two major areas that most of our CFOs are working on. You know, one of them is to control working capital. So that's obviously the amount of capital you have invested in business. So we normally start uh, honing in on uh, things inside the roadmap that can help working capital. The other area that most CFOs have been concerned with are operating expenses and how to, how to either control or reduce operating expenses. So then we typically jump in and look at a few things on the roadmap that can help with that. And unlike, um, you know, one of the older mantras of finance in the 80s and 90s and the early 2000s was, okay, we're going to look for uh, cost takeout in terms of, say, the, the finance staff. Now we're seeing with a, a lot of our clients that they're looking more strategically at how they could manage those external expenses. And, again, that gets back to the point of, you know, integrating some cloud capabilities, you know, in either procurement or uh, contingent labor or um, also, you know, potentially even into the areas of product lifecycle management. So usually if you take those first couple steps and then think about those different focus areas I just talked about, you can normally lay out a, a really solid roadmap that will, you know, get the finance organization where they need to be. Thank you. I'm going to read one more statement from your notes, but I want David to chime in on the roadmap. You say those that harness the new technology will see higher profits and lower working capital, which you mentioned a minute ago. But then you warn John Steele, you warn the CFOs, those that don't will suffer. Let's just leave that on the table. David Dixon, thoughts about a tech roadmap? You agree with John Steele? Yeah, I think those are all really good points. I mean, the one that I'd like to add is, though, I think for a lot of companies, it's almost like uh, to, to take a step forward, you got to take a, a, a step back, or to take five steps forward, you got to take a few steps back. And those few steps back is you have to relearn or you have to rethink everything that you were told up to, you know, the last few decades of how to build analytic solutions, and you have to rethink what this new technology does for you that's real-time and not moving the information around and just reporting right on it. That means, you know, uh, taking down some of the infrastructure that you built and tearing it down and simplifying things. And that means scrapping some designs or reworking certain designs, and, uh, and I think uh, that that is going to yeah, lower uh, overhead, lower cost, um, because there's a simplification movement going on, so you're going to take a lot mm -hmm. of stuff out. Uh, but then, what do you put it back? What do you put back in uh, when you're when you're um, you know restructuring some of these things? And and the, and you know and the interesting thing about it is the the key investment that you made, which is your ERP, that stays. So it's everything you built around it, you know that that you have to look at all the information that's going out of it because you're trying to fold it back in. And I think that that's the key part of the technology roadmap. And I do agree that if you don't do it right, if you do it right, you're gonna uh, uh, you're gonna benefit financially. And if you don't do it right. Um, then it, it's, um, uh, yeah, just a Doom, a mess, really. doom. Yeah, a pile Not of good. Mess. You'll yeah. never sleep or else you'll be so oblivious you'll sleep all the time and won't know what's happening as you're plummeting. Let's not go there. Henner Schlieb's thoughts on this technology roadmap. Anything you'd like to add? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that the key here is for a, a finance executive to understand the impact of new technology, right? 
it's not just the buzzwords like in memory. It is, it is uh, understanding what does it mean if I would have in memory technology throughout all my finance end-to-end processes in place, right? What, what can I uh, reimagine here uh, from a process perspective because I can now um, have uh, whatever my monthly monthly reporting process totally revamped because it is not existing anymore because uh, she has uh, data availability at any point of time at a finger click. So these cumbersome uh, pro- uh, processes do not have to necessarily uh, be optimized but uh, completely newly set up. And the basis for that is understanding that in memory does not equal in memory, right? So there's differences uh, if you go uh, on a transactional level or more on an analytical level. And you need in memory um, for for both levels. Uh, It's not worth it if you have an in-memory transactional system and an um, in-memory analytical system, but the process in between is a batch load once a week or something like that, right? This does not support real-time finance. And this is what, uh, from a technology perspective and from a technology roadmap perspective, has to be uh, uh, soaked in by everybody being a finance executive. Thank you, Henner. I have a question for you. Do you agree that the higher profits and lower working capital will come to those who get it and the others will suffer, or I hate to use the P word, perish? What do you, you think it's a doom and gloom that, that easily divided into the yeses and the noes, Henner? I would totally second that. 100%. Oh, okay. Now, I have a question for the whole panel. We have seven minutes left to the end of the show, and I want to make sure you each get about 90 seconds for your predictions. But my question is, let's just roll through first John, then David, and then Henry. The question is, who are the CFOs today who are getting it? Uh, you don't have to give me gender or age. You could give me generational cohort. How long have they been in the business are they the ones who are really getting it? They're flexible. They're grasping what we're talking about today, and they're doing it exceptionally well. Uh, any particular industries, any particular geographies, you don't have to name names unless you want to, but who really gets this? And then the second part of that question is, will the influx of younger workers into the workforce, the millennials, the Gen Ys, are they going to aspire to become CFOs of large companies because it's an exciting time with all this new exciting technology? So, John, why don't you give me a 30-second answer, then we'll go through David and Henner, and then we'll do our predictions. Go ahead, John Steele. Sure, Mari. So what, so what we've seen is that the CFOs that have had some rotation into the business, so we work with a lot of organizations where CFOs coming up have uh, worked out in the facilities or have been rotated out through sales and marketing or other organizations on the way uh, up to the role of CFOs, so they tend to have more understanding and more empathy for those organizations, they grasp it very quickly. They get to the point where they understand exactly what the new technology can do in terms of informational insight. Now, uh, the CFOs that have come up to a more traditional accounting role uh, are having a a slightly harder time grasping it, but usually, you know, you you don't get to become CFO without having some kind of head on your shoulders. So they, they tend to grasp it, you know, once once you start working through it with them. And then on the millennial point, I think it's never been a more exciting time to be a finance professional than today because it's a whole new skill set that you'll need to, to thrive in finance as it goes forward. There's a lot more emphasis on turning massive amounts of information into actionable insight as opposed to, you know, we're not worrying so much anymore about which journal entry to, to book when, because uh, as Henry was saying, as you move 
less batch oriented, you know, those are taken care of themselves. But what we do have is when when you combine information from social media, you know, from non uh, ERP type information along with ERP information, it's a whole new data set that you've never had before. And it, if without the right kind of insight, it's just a gigantic pile of information. So it's it's never been better. You know, finance will be a challenge. It's finding finding that insight, those nuggets amongst the you know the mountain, if that makes sense. It does. And, John, you know what? We're already eating into our time for predictions, so I'm going to give you one sentence to finish up. I consider what you just talked about, predictions, if you don't mind. So give me one sentence to wrap up your predictions, and I'm going to give David Dixon uh, 90 seconds for his. John, one last thought on predicting the future for CFOs and reimagining the finance department? Well, tying it back into my quote at the beginning, I would say, you know, in, in the future, finance is the center of the universe. So, so get ready for that. Be ready and be proactive. I like that. Thank you very much. Very well done. David Dixon, thoughts on uh, the generations in the CFO role, the excitement that will lead younger generations to aspire to this role, and any predictions you want? 90 seconds. David Dixon, go. Okay, so real quick, uh, the I think I'll divide into two personality types or categories. One mm-hmm. is the fast-growing, emerging company, which is predictable. There's not a lot of... Uh, uh, overhead and infrastructure or pre-existing for them to push it, and usually younger, you know, uh, generation that that's part of these like kind of emerging, older, uh, more established organizations. I've seen success with uh, uh, CFOs that come from the business, that have the credibility and the trust of the organization that that's smart enough to move it forward. So I, I think those are the two profiles um, with regards to the you know the future where everyone I think the whole industry is tracking to is how do you solve the talent resource management issue? How do you solve outside in? How do you solve for risk? How do you solve for all this analytics? I, I see an emerging discipline. It's not about technology. It's about management methods and management models. And I think portfolio management, enterprise portfolio management, managing across the enterprise to being able to reach across the different functions, uh, taking the discipline out of project uh, uh, projects and, and uh um, research and development and applying it in the innovation function and applying it across the enterprise uh, with, with the steward being uh, the CFO. I think that's a management model that that will evolve over the next uh, decade. With the Thank you very much. Terrific. Henner Schliebs, I saved ooh, one minute for you for predictions. Talk to me. You can yeah, do absolutely. it, Henner. Come on. Absolutely agree to John and Dave here. Uh, the, the the CFO of the future is, uh, and this is no disrespect, but it's going away from the CPA type of these people uh, to the MBO type, uh, sorry, MBA type people because mm-hmm. they need to be business managers. And I am certainly confident that uh, the next generation of uh, business leaders will be CFOs that are uh, modern, embracing real-time finance and uh, being the strategic leader of an organization. Like like our own uh, Luka Mucic as an example, he's a great example of co-innovating with us from a technology perspective because he was having the driving the business in mind. Thank you very much. You did it, and you saved a little time for me, and I'm going to make some predictions here. I don't know if the three of you know, but we now have 11 different Game Changers radio series in live production here at SAP Game Changers Radio. So that means, let me just run through this Monday 
thank you to the three of you for debuting season four of Financial Excellence with Game Changers. We finally call that CFO Radio. Tuesdays, we have Digital World with Game Changers, sharing the slot on alternate weeks with Transforming Your Business with Game Changers. Tuesday afternoon, we have a a triple share, Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers, Business Innovation with Game Changers, and Game Changing Women. Those three on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday at 12 noon. Wednesdays, we're still back with our Coffee Break with Game Changers flagship show every week live. And then Thursdays, we have a four share. We have Future of Business with Game Changers Season 3, Innovating Innovation with Game Changers Season 2, Meet the Visionary Game Changers, brand new debuts on April 30th and season two for Internet of Things with Game Changers. So there, and I predict the future is more and more Game Changers shows. What can I tell you? Thank you to John Steele at Deloitte. Such a pleasure to speak with you, John. Thank you for joining me. David Dixon at Truqua, same. Always happy to have you and your colleagues have been tweeting their tootsies off here at hashtag SAP Radio. Thank you. Henner Schliebs, what can I say? It's always delightful to have you on the show. And a shout out to Chris Grundy and his team for organizing this. Thank you to Brad and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. And Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. I'll see you tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, with another episode of Transforming Your Business with Game Changers. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you run simple. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO. And join host Bonnie D. Graham next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.